I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Iran McGinn. Uh, we're going to be talking about checking in on divorced dads. Last month, well, actually last week was Suicide Prevention Week, so maybe we're a little bit behind, but... Uh, suicide Prevention Week and checking in on divorced dads is the topic for today. Divorce can be an isolating experience for most people. However, divorced fathers seem to experience psychological damage in a different way than divorced mothers. They're less likely to reach out for help during this time, and as a result, divorced dads are eight times more likely to commit suicide than divorced mothers. Iran McGinn PhD, creator of divorcingdads.org, realized that men were missing a sense of community and connection. His website is run by dads for dads, providing support and advice from other men who are going through or who have gone through a divorce or separation. He completed his postdoctoral training in population health and served as the research director for the University of Pennsylvania's Department of Counseling and Psychological Services. Uh, Dr. McGann is also the founder and CEO of Early Alert, which works with universities in K-12 through schools to prevent su- student suicide, as well as the founder of Parenting for Humans, a relationship-first, trauma-informed parenting movement. Welcome to the show, Iran McGann, Ph.D. Nice to have you on today. Thank you very much, Catherine, both for the uh, impressive amount of research and for the perfect name pronunciation. I realize it's a challenge. Okay. It is a challenge. You're right. But divorcingdads.org, that's easy to say. Let's talk about that. That's because uh, that, that's the, yeah, that's your organization. And because uh, that the statistic that I mentioned earlier, that divorced dads are eight times more likely to commit suicide than divorced mothers. Um, what's the reason for that? Uh, that that's a, a significant amount uh, percentage wise of men uh, who are attempting or committing div- uh, suicide than divorced mothers. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge number. And um, it's, it's worth putting in context, uh, by the way. So one is men are more likely to die by suicide than women, uh, just in general. Um, but, but, but divorced men are still at increased risk. Right? So divorced men are more than twice as likely to die by suicide than non-divorced men, including men who are widowed or just single. Um, and so any way you look at it, you know, divorced men are at increased risk for suicide. And of course, suicide is what comes at the end of a lot of challenges. And so you can imagine that the challenges that come before suicide, depression and anxiety and loneliness and hopelessness are, are so much higher among divorced men than really uh, almost any other population as far as marital status and sex goes. You're so let, the, can I the make the assumption then that yeah. men like to be married or, or depend on being married more than women do. And there are a lot of reasons for that, I'm assuming, right? We have to take a look at it. Men want to be married. Men really, when they get divorced, it's it's much more jarring for them. Um, and there are a lot of reasons that that's so. Let's talk about that, what those reasons are, why men get don't do well when they get divorced. Because as I understand it, yeah. In, ter- yeah, in terms of statistics, women are the one who actually are the ones who, uh, in, I don't want to say promote, I uh, can't think of the word, but they want to, they're the ones who, who, incur- who get divorced, who are the ones who initiate it, let's initiate say. Initiate the divorce yeah. more yeah. often. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think so. When when men get into a marriage, they typically devote vast majority of their energy into their marriage and into their work. These are really the two places, at least in the U.S. Men don't have uh, a lot of strong, close friendships, and women do. And those friendships are an incredible buffer against terrible things that happen in life, give you support and give you hope. And when men become separated from their family, and even more so when, when children are involved, they, life just becomes very suddenly empty. But it's, it's worse than dropping into neutral. It's not that before you had a place to invest your energy and get a sense of meaning from, and now you don't which itself is really bad, but it's, it's worse than that because often the message that the men are left with are, you did a poor job taking care of your family, possibly even taking care of your kids. Sometimes the message is uh, not only did you do poorly, but you, you actually need to be away, right? I want zero contact with you. I want the kids to have less contact with you. Um, typically, the men are the one to leave the home, the physical home. Uh, and have suddenly a lot less contact, certainly with the spouse who's divorcing, but also with the children, it can be quite abrupt. It can be very, um, it can induce a lot of hopelessness. And men, so men suddenly lose the function that they saw themselves as having in the world. And they were really socialized to believe is their function, right? The, the provider, the protector, just at a, on, a, on a gendered kind of stereotypical level. These are roles that run pretty deep into the psyche of many men. And then you're so, told, again, exactly the opposite. You're not the provider. You're not the protector. Please leave. And it can leave a big gaping hole in the lives of men who've invested most of their energy, again, at home and don't really have a support network outside of the home. So their identity is there. there is more closely tied to, say, their roles as a father, as a husband. And then when they get divorced they feel guilty and maybe I'm, you know, even they ashamed that they weren't able to fulfill those roles or they feel they're not able to. Um, and so that creates, as you say, a greater distance from their, from their children, which is depressing and isolating. Um, I think one of the things that uh, women and maybe your organization is obviously one organization that helps to kind of mitigate the, the loneliness and the separation. Women have a lot of have a lot of connections, family, friends, and they're not. And I, I think, generally speaking, and we're talking about that bell-shaped curve. They 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 connect. They don't have difficulty connecting. Men sort of. And I was, you know, in men when they get divorced, uh, they don't express their grief. You know, they just. I don't know if they pretend, but they don't express it. They, women are all over the place if they're upset or uh, talking to their mother, their girlfriends. Um, and so that relieves some of the pressure and also helps them to make more connections during, a, you know, a difficult time. So, yeah, I think that's, I, yeah. that's absolutely true. And these, these friendship networks, these support networks, friends and family and sympathetic colleagues and acquaintances, right? They're much larger for women than for men on average. And like you said, men tend to avoid seeking support. 
uh, and avoid disclosing except to really super trusted individuals. On average, again, like you said, uh, it's, it's all on a curve, but on average, men will tend to avoid seeking support or delay seeking support and um, and have less trusted confidants. And that's that's a classic dig the well before you need it kind of a story, right? They arrive at yep. this potential crisis moment and suddenly realize they don't really have anyone to turn to and are reticent to now open up to essentially strangers about something that is so painful and can be, like you said, so um, that they might be feeling a lot of shame around as well. So isolating leads to, can lead to, what, depression, bad habits, alcohol, drug abuse, not taking care of yourself, those kinds of things, which then also lead or can lead to suicide or attempted suicides, right? I mean, because that uh, the word isolation keeps popping up, but uh, and if you don't take care of yourself, then you develop a lot of emotional and physical problems. And um, so what, let's take your organization, how do you mitigate all this in divorcingdads.org? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's worth, uh, with, with your permission, I think it's worth spending another another minute on the the importance of isolation and and the protective power of of connectedness because isolation really features very prominently in suicide, um, and isolation in general is just so bad for our health. That's been documented since the eighties, um, maybe a little before, um, but it's it's really bad for physical health if you. If you reply to the question, how many confidants do you have, if your answer is zero, that's worse for your health than, than smoking multiple packs of cigarettes for decades, for your physical health. Uh, it's, it's a poor predictor of your health. And with respect to suicide, social connectedness has two really important functions. One is it buffers shocks that we go through. It softens them and lets us disperse the shock and get support during it. But also, it's the thing that keeps us hanging on. To, to life. The, the, there's a very elegant um, theory of suicide, the three-step theory of suicide. And, and the, the really short version is that the, the recipe for suicidal intention and suicidal attempts is a lot of pain that we feel hopeless about ever going away. That's number two. So a lot of pain is number one. Two is hopelessness about ever not feeling pain. And three is lack of connection. Uh, if you have a lot of pain and you're hopeless about it, if you're connected to something or someone, you'll, you'll hang on, basically, long enough for the pain to actually pass, even though you're feeling hopeless about it. And it can take a while to pass, right? People can be in a very acute state of uh, crisis uh, for, for a while after divorce, a couple of years, uh, easily a couple of years. And so social connectedness can help bridge that time and get to a point where it's not not as acute. So uh, thank you for uh, letting me uh, go on this uh, no, I think long explanation. Yeah. I think isolation is super important and connectedness and checking in is, is so powerfully yeah. protective against suicide. And when you say checking in, I think this is another, maybe just another part of it. Women tend to, will, will seek help, not just in terms of with friends and family, but also professional help. You know, it's usually... And here again, we're talking about the bell-shaped curve. It's women who seek help themselves professionally and will, you know, drag their uh, husbands or even ex-husbands into th therapy or family counseling uh, when there's a crisis. And I think men tend not to do that. Uh, so 
you know, that sort of that adds, I think, to the the problem or adds to the problem of isolation. Um, they, I mean, I don't know how that bears out in statistics, but I think that um, that seeking professional help is obviously critical if you need it. But um, men tend not to do that either from embarrassment or, you know, they don't want to, they think that if they get help, they've, they're, they failed, uh, you know, all kind those are some of the yeah, main yeah, I think that's, yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely true. And, and, and help even beyond therapy. I mean, there's, there's kind of the old, uh, the cliche stereotype, right? That women will ask for directions when lost. Yes. And men will ask <laughs> for more time basically to figure it out. Um, and yeah, I think I think it bears out in terms of seeking therapy and couples counseling. Like you said, I also see it in terms of the the men that I work with who are going through a divorce. Often, the women are the first to uh, get a lawyer, and the men are stunned by this because they expect it to be able to resolve it mutually. Often, um, and so even even there, the support seeking is something even at that level. Support seeking is something that men will do later, often. On average, again, it's always worth bringing up the, the caveat. Um, but yeah, we, we see it again and again on, on almost every level. <clears throat> yeah. me, men are reluctant to seek support or delay seeking support relative to women who are often capable and skilled at that. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think women, men see themselves as helpless for some reason. Um, you're the expert. If they seek help in any way, they like they can handle it on their own. You gave the example of the directions, exact, I mean, which is a good one. Um, yeah, they view themselves as being helpless or inadequate, or we can go on and on with the adjectives, whereas women don't. They see that as more putting, helping themselves to be in a more powerful position. Um, it's sort of kind of the opposite, I think. Yeah, support, support seeking is a real skill, and I think there are a lot of stereotypes that teach many men that seeking support is, like you said, sort of an admission of incompetence, um, whereas many women may receive an opposite message, that seeking support is a form of empowerment and acknowledging our uh, deficits is is also a, a skilled and insightful move, and I, I, which I think is totally true, and I wish more, more people uh, realized and saw. But yeah, for men, it's often hard. It's, it's kind of going against the social training uh, to seek support. Exactly. Right, so for, now let's talk about di- di- divorcingdads.org. Let's talk about some of the, I mean, not you know, like what are some of the issues? The, what happens in divorcingdads.com? What's the mission? What do you do? They have, they support each other during it. I kind of alluded, well, I talked about it in the intro, but like, let's yeah. say they, okay, they, they come, they want to, get involved in divorcingdads.com? What what happens? How do they do that? Yeah, so divorcingdads.org. I'll say, I actually org, don't yeah. know who's in .com. Yeah. <laughs> um, but divorcingdads.org, yeah. um, there, there are two goals there. One is to have content that either dads going through divorce or people who want to support dads going through divorce or understand dads going through divorce, um, content for people to just consume on their own, uh, you know, so if they want to read about it or, or listen about it or hear stories of people and, and so on. And that itself, I think, is really helpful because, again, of that intense sense of isolation um, that at least the divorcing dads experience going through that. If you if you just put four divorcing dads in a room and they talk, uh, often they're shocked at the similarities between the experiences uh, that they have 
and will literally say things like, I thought nobody could understand. I, you know, I had no idea that other people would be going through the same thing and so on. So even just reading about it, learning about it is helpful. So part of it is having a sense of what it's like. Another uh, set of content is around what to do, how, how to handle this process. How do you stay sane, really, during the process? How do you stay healthy and take, up your, take care of yourself? And uh, how do you stay connected to your kids within the parameters of, of whatever connection you're able to maintain physically? Right? What, what can you do? to stay connected with your kids and deepen the relationship with your kids, which is my personal focus. This, this work for me grew out of my work on Parenting for Humans, um, where for a decade now I've been talking with parents about how to deepen their relationship with kids in general and then saw this, uh, this rift that happens between dads and divorcing dads and their kids very often to, to the detriment of really everybody in the picture. It's just it's horrible to be disconnected from your parents, and it's horrible to be disconnected from your kids. So as far as divorcingdads.org goes, so one set of content is around just what is it like to go through the experience, and another set of content is what can you do to make the experience better. And then the, the third leg of this stool is the, the ability to meet for people who are interested, meet with other divorcing dads, um, both for reasons of having essentially a support group to process what you're going through with people who are in a similar stage as you, but also to be paired up kind of with a, with a buddy. So maybe you're a month into it and you're, you're really still just living in your first weird rented studio near your previous home. So you can see your kids and, and figure out your life, uh, which is a common scenario. Um, so maybe you're a month in or two months in and just figuring it out and you can talk to somebody who's, two or three or four years in and can give you really different perspective and a sense of hope about how how this can get better because they've been there themselves. Or maybe you're somebody who is four or five years in and you want to be kind of a, a big sib to somebody who's at the start of the process. So that's an opportunity as well. So uh, these are what you can have weekly drop-in Zoom meetings, right? This is part, this is. Right. Yeah. yeah. So how many people, how oh, many right. of the, in terms of the mechanisms? Yeah, yeah in terms of the mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, the, how do you have a lot of people who are part of the weekly Zoom meetings? For How long over, uh, you know, how long do they stay in? Do a lot of them drop or how, you know, some drop out? What are the reasons? Um, and how does that work? Yeah, it's it's a young organization. So there are not many people going into the Zoom meetings right now, I would say, you know, low low dozens, but n not all of them participating all the time. But I, I will say the people, the people who are involved in talking, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in a group, usually keep going. Uh, like people are instantly positively surprised by just how good it feels to be talking and connected. And it becomes a real a real anchor point um, to help process what's happening. And, and, and there's, there's always something happening, right? Is anybody going through this process who's gone through this process knows or even accompanied somebody going through this process? There's always something going on and something to process, and it's good to have a safe, supportive space to, to process whatever is happening in the moment. So people tend to, to stay in once 
they started. It's a smaller percentage of people who go into a support group because it requires more um, willingness to be open and be vulnerable, right? So uh, many people will, will use the content that's on the website uh, and maybe not come to the group for a while, which is totally fair. I think, you know, everybody everybody gets what they need. But once people start, it's 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 hard to talk about things that are so intimate and so um, so much connected, at least initially, to shame without developing a strong sense of, of friendship and community around it. Yeah. Which and, is and enticing, then, of course. Why why wouldn't people want to continue having a sense of community and, and friendship? But uh, you're also going to be seen. People are going to see you. And are you are the facilitator, yeah. so you facilitate the Zoom meetings? I do, yeah. And some of the times it's it's also one on one. If people want to talk with me, uh, you know, every with with regular frequency, then we'll do that as well. And the whole thing, I, I should add, it's it's free. There's no cost to this. This is just feels like very very important work. Uh, again, both for the dads and for the kids that I think about a lot in this process. Um, and so there, there's no cost. And the goal is to build this up so that it's essentially a self-maintaining, self-supporting community where we have a cadre of big sibs and little sibs that they're connected to. And later on, the little sibs become big sibs and so on. I wonder, or one of the, we don't have that much time left, but I was just curious whether uh, it ever, well, you're the facilitator, so I'm sure you don't allow this to happen, to get into wife bashing or, or that kind of stuff, because it would seem to me that could happen. I mean, um, and that you obviously have a, a certain goal in terms of how you want these these meetings to go, um, so yeah. that they are, as you say, positive. Uh, yeah. Does, yeah, yeah, you know, wife bashing uh, or, or ex, ex-wife bashing is the case. <laughs> yeah, maybe. ex-wife bashing, um, right. You know, on the one hand, it's not it's not something we want to be focusing on long term. And on the other hand, it's important to have a space in which to express it, right? Yeah. At least to kind of get it out of your system and then be able to process it more productively. So I think almost with any thought that we have or any emotion that we have, it's it's not so helpful to, to just shut it down, to not allow it to be expressed anywhere in any context, right? If somebody wants to say bad things, then it's okay. Like, there's room for that. I'm not going to, to reinforce that thought, right? I'm not going to, to say, oh, you're absolutely right. You know, she's this and that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's helpful. But to say, yeah, I mean, I totally see how horrible it feels right now and how frustrating it is and so on. But really, one of the things that we're moving toward or trying to help men move toward there is actually not, at least in the in the first stage, not spending so much time trying to understand the the inner world of the ex. It's, it's less helpful to try to dive yeah. into it, because then you end up with interpretations, and either yeah. like she's a really bad person, or I'm a really bad person, and she just yeah. figured, it, it's sort of doesn't that's really matter. couples the therapy. We that's just not, be that's, that's yeah, which is very different. We have one minute left. Uh, this went by very fast. Aran McGann, yeah. PhD, divorcingdads.org. Is there another website or that we should also uh, that we can go to for more information, or is that it? Divorcingdads.org. This is the main one. There's also the the general one for parenting, parentingforhumans.com, which also has right. a lot of content on parenting in general, not just in a divorce context. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Great. Lots of good information. We appreciate it. My pleasure. 
Yeah, thank you very much. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 